Right, so today is our celebration of our uh, sort of second annual celebration of holy humor, which means things are going to look a little different. It's easy to do in this space. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a different order, and I'm so glad that you all are here. I, so most of you are not used to being this close to me, are you? <laughs> you look great. I'm so glad you're here. So any of our Revolution kids that would like to go upstairs, Miss Debbie is here this morning. There she is, right in front of me. Um, she'll meet you back here. And we're any Revolution kids in the room? We are so glad that you guys are here. You guys have so much fun upstairs in their youth area. You're going to be amazed. It's going to be great. <laughs> well, needless to say, the past ten days or so have been uh, quite a roller coaster for us. Uh, thinking about coming from Wednesday at 5.30 p.m. a week and a half ago when reports are coming that the building is flooding and the roof has been blown off, uh, to getting uh, not having a plan of where we were going to go and what we were going to do, and yet having some just wonderful uh, holy service observation of Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday in our space, uh, to Easter morning on the front lawn. Uh, lots of uncertainty, lots of highs and lows, but then Easter, right? I mean, Easter was just incredible. I've shared with Daryl that many of you said that needs to become an annual tradition, and I watched as he sort of had like just a moment. Of, of, no, not the flooding. No, no, we don't want that annually. No, no. But to worship outside on the front lawn. Um, but it was a bit of a, bit of a emotional roller, co a roller coaster, not only for our church, uh, but for our city. Uh, it's not lost on me that on Sunday morning, as I say, the resurrection changes everything, right? The empty tomb means change is possible and redemption is possible and reconciliation and, and, and just such a high glory spot of, of Sunday morning uh, to then wake to the news on Monday uh, of a mass shooting in our town. And so it's on this side of Easter, you know, Easter is 50 days. We celebrate this season for 50 days. It's not just one Sunday. And I think it is the task of us is to, to try and figure out how do we live as Easter people in light of the truth of the empty tomb when all the other uncertainties and, and chaos and, 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 and times violence of life continue to happen. I had some friends uh, at their churches who hosted prayer vigils on that Monday night, and it was like whiplash, they said, liturgical whiplash of, of seeing candles vigil uh, for, for a prayer vigil and sanctuaries still decorated with white pyramids and lilies, right? And yet there's a profound Easter truth and, and hope here. And that's the question that we wrestle with as believers on this side of the resurrection, how to keep living as Easter people and, and proclaiming that change is possible in a world that often feels unchanged. How do we celebrate Holy Humor Sunday, the Sunday after Easter, in a week at times where none of this felt funny? And it's not. And so a word that sort of, uh, a passage of scripture that I was, um, that was bringing me some grounding this week comes from a resurrection encounter in Luke chapter 24. And as we get started this morning, I want to share this passage of scripture with you. You'll find it maybe familiar. It's disciples. No, I need that. Hello, Rach. Comes from Luke 24, where two of the disciples are walking on the way to Emmaus. 
I'm going to read that for us this morning. Oh, y'all, look, it's working. That's, that's funny, right? <laughs> that's some holy humor right there. It <laughs> never works for me. Okay. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him, and he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Last slide. Nope, two more. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So we went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while, we talked, while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Cleopas says, We had hoped. Friends, I think this scripture helps us in two ways to remember how to live as Easter people on this side of the resurrection, on this side of the empty tomb. If we think for just a moment, the disciples, of course, have had their own emotional roller coaster of a week, starting with Palm Sunday and the entry into Jerusalem, the people gathering, receiving Jesus, crying out, Hosanna, save us, believing, proclaiming that this is the one the true king who could save them, the one, the Messiah they had been waiting for. I can imagine the disciples being very hopeful and filled with joy and excited, only to then, a few days later, see Jesus betrayed, arrested, beaten, crucified, buried. We find them on the road believing that he is dead, and yet there's also this confusion of, wait, but the Mary said that he's, these angels told them that he's alive, but, but we haven't seen him yet. So they're leaving Jerusalem at this point, going to Emmaus, 
But we don't know why, maybe going home, maybe just trying to be anywhere but Jerusalem. But they're confused. Don't know if they should be hopeful or not. They haven't seen Jesus yet. They don't know where they've moved his body. They're not sure if he's alive. And Cleopas says, we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. It's in that moment of of uncertainty and disorientation and and chaos that Jesus appears with the disciples on the road and begins to walk with them. Not recognizing Jesus, he begins to explain all the events that have happened. Do you know what he's doing here with that phrase? This is the phrase that has been grounding me this week. We had hoped. He's lamenting. Cleopas is lamenting his reality. He's saying that this reality that I'm experiencing right now is not the one that we had expected or hoped for. Imagine from the disciples' perspective, we had hoped that Jesus would be our great liberator. We had hoped that he would overthrow the Romans and put us back in the rightful, you know, that rightful kingdom. We had hoped that Jesus would still be with us. We had hoped that his triumphant entry would have meant something as the disciples understood it at that moment. That phrase captures the lament uh, the lament of, of not, it's not complaining. A, a lament is to name a, a passion expression of grief or sorrow. It, it's just to, it's to name that grief and, and to tell Jesus about it. That's what he's doing. He doesn't realize it, but he's lamenting and, and telling Jesus about it. It's a phrase that captures the hopes deferred that we often experience in this life. I've also been saying, you know, for those many of you that have been helping and getting all this space ready to go, it's I've been doing a million things and forgetting a million more. We're scattered. We're we're all over the place and 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 forgetting things. We had hoped we wouldn't have to do this, right? That we wouldn't have to have a flood in our building and be moved. We we had hoped that momentum that we had building toward Easter wouldn't be lost. And thanks be to God. Y'all, revolution, I tell people, revolution people are crazy. It's not going to be lost. Y'all won't let it, right? We had hoped, I had hoped, to not make the list of the next city in America that's had another mass shooting. And friends, there was another one last night. Six people, two dead. Six people shot and two dead. We had hoped that those with the power to do something about access to mental health care and access to weapons would would do something because doing nothing isn't working. We had hoped that this wouldn't be our reality. Cleopas laments, and I think he gives us permission to lament as well. Fill in the blank. Whatever it is for you this morning that you had hoped, that hasn't happened. That's not the reality you're living. And yet, it's at that moment when Jesus appears and walks with them. 
And afterwards, when they recognized Jesus, they said this. This is the second phrase that grounds me. Hadn't our hearts burned within us? We recognize Jesus and his presence and his power and his love. This is the Easter truth, that not everything is fixed and whole in an instant like we would like. But the resurrected Christ, that firstborn of the new creation, is with us and promises to be with us. And he will show up in the mess that we find ourselves in, in the unexpected, in the unplanned, in the chaos and the hurt. And he will walk with us and comfort us and lead us along the way, lead us into his coming kingdom. I think when the disciples say, didn't our hearts burn within us? They're expressing a joy in the presence of Christ. There's joy, even as we encounter all those other challenges. And on this side of Easter, living as Easter people, keeping our eyes set on that kingdom vision, it means two things. It means we express our lament, we had hoped, and it means we look for Christ who is showing up in the mess with us when our hearts burn within us. It's lament and it's joy, a profound sense of joy that though this may not be as we had expected, all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well because if it's not well, it's not the end of the story. And that's the promise of Jesus. Easter gives us the courage to live as Easter people the power to live differently, to be different, to see different, the courage to pray and lament and raise our voices and proclaim, it doesn't have to be this way. That power that I said on Easter morning that change is possible, that's true. And Easter gives us the courage to live into that. So I decided about Tuesday (laughs) that, you know what, we're still going to celebrate holy humor Because we're going to practice joy this morning. And not as like a laughing in the face of injustice or laughing in the face of violence or not as a way of like kind of putting our heads in the sand as if the things that we experience, the roller coaster doesn't matter, but as a way of proclaiming our hope is in Christ and that we can hold on to lament and joy at the same time. So we're going to practice that this morning. And we're going to do our second annual, annual, holy humor. Because I don't know about you, but I have needed to laugh this week. And the few times that I have had one of those belly laughs, it's good for the soul, friends. Laughter and joy is good for our hearts. It's good for our bodies. It's good for our souls. So a few times I experienced joy this week. I went over to meet the mitigation team to unlock the door to let them into our building that is looking really good. (laughs) It's dry now. It's dry and clean. There are lots of walls missing. (laughs) But it's dry, even as it rains right now. It's dry. (laughs) It's dry. But I noticed um, a, a few of our friends that are usually there worshiping with us on the front lawn. I noticed some of our geese friends But this time, y'all, we have new members. There are baby geese. Okay, I saw three little baby geese, and now it's not going to work. I shouldn't have joked on it. There they are. Okay, 
There are three of them. These are our geese, you guys, okay? They receive communion every week. They are, they are Christian geese. Count them, count them, Kendall, count them. They are counted every week, our geese. It's a video, but is it going to play, Brenda? There they go. There they go. Look, they're so, I don't think I remembered how yellow little baby geese are, but they were fuzzy and yellow. Oh, the kids were in the car with me. I was stopped in park, don't worry. And we were admiring the baby geese. This brought me joy, joy that I needed. Family time yesterday with my kids. It has been a really busy few weeks for us. Holy Week always is. Um, And I hadn't gotten to enjoy a Saturday with my boys in a couple of weeks, and I did yesterday. That brought me great joy. Friends uh, who showed up and sent Matt and I gift cards so that we could have a date night, right? In the middle of all of this, they were like, you need to take care of yourself. That brought me great joy. So I'm wondering, for you this week, what brought you joy? I want you, you're going to, you, you probably don't even have to yell that loud because we're right here with each other, but you can stand up and share. I want to hear, even in the midst of the moments of lament, what joy are you clinging to as well? I saw 11 babies that were in the park yesterday. Baby geese? Oh. Thank you. Were they We can't count those. Invite them to revolution. Follow, leave them some breadcrumbs, okay? Bring them on. Yes, REC at Luther Luckett this weekend. Awesome. They went to candlelight. Thank you. Awesome. That's a praise. Vonnie had knee replacement surgery and she stood on her own this week. That's great. Yeah. Not for long, but one day at a time. Quirky, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. The weather was beautiful. Just beautiful. Yeah. Missed you all last Sunday, but uh, we had Easter worship on top of the mountain, which was incredible. I saw a picture, Easter on the snow-covered mountain, about at sunrise? No? How early was it? Afternoon. Afternoon. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But it was still beautiful. It was still beautiful. Yeah. All the Revolution kids, yeah. Let's, pray, let's pause and pray for Debbie. Um, as we sent them upstairs with three donuts each. <laughs> it's like those children had been stuffing, slamming those donuts since they hit the door. And then we welcomed a Revolution going upstairs. Yeah, Matt. Awesome. Yeah, go dad. You did it. <laughs> yeah, Carol. Yeah. After a year and a half, your roof at home. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else? I like this standing up. I like it. 
keep doing it. Popcorn. One more. Gloria. Wow. That's amazing. She was hollering at you. Stop opening the door. My babies are here. <laughs> yeah. I have a prayer I want to share with you, and then we're going to worship again. I have a prayer I want to share with you. This comes from a common prayer book called A Liturgy for Ordinary Everyday Radicals. Kind of like revolutionary people, maybe. Uh, for ordinary radicals. And it says this, Lord, to laugh in the midst of trial and to rejoice in the darkest valley is just another way of saying our hope is in you. Fill us with laughter and joy while we work for peace and strive for justice. Help us to live so foolishly for you that we draw onlookers and those who would deride us. And while they watch and mock, change all our hearts that we might learn to laugh at the foolishness this world calls normal and run away with the circus that is real life. In the name of God, we pray. Amen. So that, in the name of the circus that is following Jesus, that kind of jester troubadour, which we're going to talk more about with holy humor, let us chase after him with all that we got and be filled with laughter and joy this morning. Amen. Let's sing. Kendall. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 
didn't take it. I didn't know I was supposed to take it. Well, the word take it should have been your first clue. Uh, yeah, but when, when somebody tells you to take it, you're supposed to take it. But it was the fact that you said Kendall take it. Well, well no, that's because I wanted you to take it. But I'm not supposed to take it. When someone tells you to take it, you got to take it. You just uh, take it. You know, look, we had to stop the song. You interrupted the flow of worship. Everybody was clapping and singing, and we were just in the moment. And I tell you to take it. And you, did you not read the worship leader handbook? When someone tells you to take it, you're supposed to do what? Take it. <laughs> so the next time I tell you to take it, you're going to? Take it. All right. So I'm going to go back to that face-melting guitar solo. Yeah. And I'll uh -huh. give you your cue. All right. <laughs> One, two, three. Take it, Kendall. Daryl. Oh no, no, no. What did I say? I was. Oh, oh please no. I wasn't. I wasn't ready to take it because I was working with our percussionist, who obviously needs help. Well, he does need help. But, but I did say take it, Daryl, which meant what? I, 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 did, I did you I, not read the I, worship I, leader guide? No, but see, I, I was trying to. Wait a minute. I, uh, uh, wait a minute. I, you I are the worship leader. They don't come in the door going, Hi, Kendall. They come in the door going, Hi, Daryl. Which means that when I say, Take it, Daryl, you're the leader, so you've got to what? I'm supposed to take it. Uh huh. <laughs> Thank you. I'm supposed to take it. Sorry. It won't happen. Get back to your place so I can it, go into I'll fly away. Okay. It won't happen again. Uh huh. Let's just go from the chorus. One, two, three. Everybody. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by. I'll fly away. One more time. I'll fly away, oh glory. Proceed, everybody. So I have uh, I have some things prepared today for your worship enjoyment. I thought it would be semi cool. We'll see. I'm going to do a series of impressions of, of well-known, age-dependent, well-known celebrity singers doing worship music. Are you guys ready? All right. Here's the first one. First one is going to be Willie Nelson. Here we go. This is Willie Nelson singing. Amazing grace, how sweet 
to sound that saint a wretch like me I once was lost but now I found was blind but now I see as Willie Nelson Was that a gong? <laughs> Who brought a gong? Who brings a gong to church? <laughs> All right, so this next one, uh, this next one is Bob Dylan. This is Bob Dylan doing worship music. Hang on. Nothing is said of me, even if I ran away, because your love never fails, it never fails, because you know, you know I still make mistakes, you have new mercies for me every day, your love never fails, everybody, everybody sing with me now. You stay the same through the ages. Now your love never changes. Live in night. Joy comes in the morning. I know I still make stay. I don't know the words. I'm just going to make them up as I go. Something Bob did it. You know you love me. You love, you love never fail. You made all things work together for my good. Sing with me. You made all things. Work together for my good. Thank you, Jesus. Bob Dylan. This next one is, uh, any Guns N' Roses fans out there? This is going to be, if Axl Rose did worship, this will be. This is going to be Axl Rose doing worship. Hang on a second. This is Axl Rose. I don't really have any props. I just like spinning in circles. So say. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your holy name. 
Wait. I'm not done yet. Hang on. I worship your holy name. Axel Rose. All right. So this next song is, uh, this is going to be Bruce Springsteen. If Bruce Springsteen did worship, this is what it would sound like. So you know when uh, when uh, Bruce Springsteen, if you ever go to a Bruce Springsteen concert, anybody ever been to a Springsteen concert? Yeah, you guys are better for it. I know you are. He always likes to tell these stories before the song, you know. He's got like the uh, the organ player doing just this pretty melody in the back, you know. And he's usually telling a story about when he was a kid growing up. And he didn't get along with his dad very good. And he's sitting in the living room, you know. And he says, I looked down on the table and I saw this big book. But it wasn't just a big book. It was a book full of books, you know. Had all kinds of books in it. And every book had like all these names like James and Timothy and, uh, you know, uh, Esther and Ruth. And I saw, I saw the book of Jude, and I thought, man, I bet that's where Paul McCartney got the idea to write that song. I need to write my own song out of this book. So then I found, I couldn't find the book of Bruce, so I turned to the book of John, and I found this one passage in there. I thought, I can write a song about that. So I'm going to do this song for you guys this morning. You guys ready? One, two, three, go. That's a count, so when you count in, everybody's supposed to know you come in on the one, right? One, two, three, Come, are you weary? Come, are you thirsty? Come to the way that never runs dry. Drink of water, come and thirst no more. Is anybody alive out there? Well, God's soul of the world that He gave us is all His. It's all to save us forever. Believes in will live forever. Wow! Bruce Springsteen. Thank you very much. That's all I got. Oh look, they want to, they're they're having recommendations for you, Daryl. What do you think? I don't take requests. I don't take requests. <laughs> oh man. You know, I knew Daryl is a very talented musician. I did not know he also could play the harmonica while you're doing all that, and that was just clearly I haven't been to enough of your gigs, my friend. We're gonna repair that. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Laughter is good for the soul. Holy humor draws on uh, many, many years of tradition in the life of the church, the ancient church, also known as Laughter Sunday or Hilarity Sunday, God's Laughter Sunday, Bright Sunday, or Holy Fools Sunday. I think maybe next year we'll call it Holy Fools Sunday. 
And it has its roots in a number of different Christian traditions. I shared some of this last year, but just to remind us, churches in the 15th century in Bavaria used to celebrate the Sunday after Easter as this God's joke or got the Easter laugh. Priests would deliberately include amusing stories and jokes in their sermons in an attempt to make the faithful laugh. After the service, people would gather together to play practical jokes on each other and tell funny stories. I said that last year, and I'm really glad no one, hopefully not, no one has remembered that, that one of the traditions is to play practical jokes on each other. So I guess I should watch out. It was their way of celebrating the resurrection of Christ, this idea that it was the supreme joke that God played on Satan by raising Jesus from the dead. The kind of part of the tradition of Jesus died and he descended to hell. The enemy thought he had him trapped there, but whoops, three days later, he rose again. The devil didn't win. So it's kind of this cosmic practical joke. Uh, Lauren Winter says this about Jesus the jokester. Jesus is a holy fool or trickster, besting the devil, the marginal wayfarer, specializing in interruptions like clowns do, behavior that violates the etiquette and social norms, surprises and mockery of convention. How many times throughout the Gospels do we see Jesus interrupting cultural norms and etiquette? Um, Palm Sunday, we talked about Jesus as if he was riding in on like a a trike as, as Pilate rode in on a tank, sort of the mockery of the everyday expectation and how the kingdoms of the world were oriented. So the observance of this Holy Humor Sunday was officially outlawed by the Pope in the 17th century, which I think is pretty, uh, pretty interesting. I imagine they were just having too much fun, maybe too many practical jokes. It was outlawed. In the Orthodox tradition, people would gather on Easter Monday, so the day after, to tell jokes and funny stories, to dance and eat together. And then this is, uh, other traditions actually would celebrate something like this Latere Sunday on the fourth Sunday in Lent. It simply means to rejoice. Rejoice with the Lord, you who have been in sorrow. So kind of toward the end of Lent, a time of, uh, of thinking about our, uh, you know, our deep need for, for God, for repentance and, and sin and all these things. It's kind of a, a, a season of sorrow. It was on the fourth Sunday the Lenten purple sort of vestments and altar cloths were replaced by rose-colored ones and, and flowers filled the sanctuary, uh, this sort of rejoice Sunday. So kind of different traditions. But it wasn't until 1988 that the Fellowship of Mary Christians began encouraging others to resurrect these long-held Christian traditions to celebrate the grace and mercy of God through the gift of laughter and joy. This is not something we've made up, but it's something that we kind of are resurrecting along with other traditions and churches to celebrate the gift of joy and of laughter. And to have that proclaim bold sort of statement that our hope and our joy is in the Lord. So I have um, in the back as you leave sort of some uh, popper things Brenda has one. I was hoping for noisemakers. The flutes don't make near as much noise as I had hoped. The parents are very grateful for that, I am sure. Um, But you can take one on your way out to remind you throughout the week to make a joyful noise for the Lord, because that's what we're here to do this morning. 
All right, so I reached out to you guys again last couple of weeks, and as was tradition last year, we'll do it again. I have a series of some good holy humor jokes, most of which were submitted by you guys. I'm very excited about a few of them. They're all sort of uh, Christian faith or Bible-based, but this one came from one of you, a submission. This is a joke. Do you like that? It's a, so imagine, it's a terrible winter Sunday in a farming community. The only person who shows up for church is an older cow farmer. The pastor opens up with two songs, reads a few verses of scripture, and delivers a 45-minute sermon. After the song, after the service is over, they close with the song and have announcements. He goes directly to the door to shake the farmer's hand on the way out. And he asked the farmer, how was the sermon? And the farmer, the old cow farmer replies, well, when I feed my cattle, if only one shows up, I don't feed it the whole round of bale, the whole <laughs> round of hay, the whole bale of hay. You're thinking, Rachel, take note. Remember that one. Uh, how long did Cain dislike his brother? As long as he was able... As long as he was able. Why didn't Noah go fishing? Where's the gong now? She likes me. It's fine. I don't know. No gong. No gong. She's going to have the gong now. Why didn't Noah go fishing? He only had two worms. (laughs) Why is Abraham considered the smartest person in the Bible? Because he knew a lot. He knew Lot. He knew a lot. Get it? Get it? Okay, wait, wait. There's more. (laughs) Wait, wait. Wait, wait. There's more. What kind of man was Boaz before he married Ruth? A single man. Yes. Ruthless. Somebody said it. Ruthless. You got it. Ruthless. Okay. I know. They're already leaving. What is a, salesman fa- a salesman's favorite passage of Scripture? The Great Commission. The Great Commission, right? That's good. Okay. I was very excited about this one. I tried it on my husband last night. Didn't go so well, so we're going to try it here, okay? Here we go. A priest, a minister, and a rabbi want to see who is best at their job. So each one goes into the woods and finds a bear and attempts to convert it. (laughs) Okay, later they all get together, talk about how it went. The priest begins, when I found the bear, I read to him from the catechism and sprinkled him with holy water. Next week is his first communion. The minister says, the Protestant minister says, I found a bear by the stream and preached God's holy word. The bear was so mesmerized that he let me baptize him. Okay, pretty pretty good. They both look down at the rabbi who is lying on a gurney in a body cast. (laughs) Looking back, the rabbi says, maybe I shouldn't have started with the circumcision. We've, 
we've been talking so much about Paul and a Bible study on Galatians and the law. I just thought that was so good. Okay, okay this is probably my favorite. Are you ready? Okay. I got this from an 88-year-old nun on TikTok. Have you heard about the four constipated men in the Bible? No, you haven't? I hadn't either until <laughs> this. First is Cain. He wasn't able. He wasn't able. Two, Moses. He took two tablets. Two tablets. Uh, King Solomon. He sat on the throne for 40 years. And finally, King David. He said that no power in heaven or earth could move him. The four constipated men of the Bible. <laughs> okay. The last joke, the last joke. In the f- Hallelujah, there you go. In the foyer of a church, a young boy was looking at a plaque with the names of men and women who had died in various wars. He asked the pastor, who are these people? The pastor said, these are members from our church who died in the service. And the boy asked, the early service or the late service? <laughs> oh, that's so good. Okay. Um, I also uh, have a, a just short collection of memes. Brenda, is it, is it connecting? Oh, it is. There we go. Okay, go back to the first one real quick. Okay. When the friend you invited to church said they had a really good time. Just a good old shack face there. That's good. Uh, when you know it's God's plan, but you're still scared. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's real. Uh, me trying to monitor the thing I left in God's hands. It's me again, just checking up on the status of that thing that I decided to leave in God's hands. That's, well, that, it's not one of us in the picture. It could have been, but <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, that awkward moment you start singing before the worship team does. Y'all, I did that like three weeks ago, right here in the front row, just, yeah. Yeah, you heard me, you heard me, yeah, I do that, I do that one a lot. Okay, the next one, Abel waiting in heaven for someone else to die. (laughs) Poor Abel. (laughs) Lots of Cain and Abel jokes this morning. When they convince you to host a small group at your house, the, it, it says, please leave by nine. <laughs> that one is in honor of Heather Casadovalle, my friends. Yeah. <laughs> She's in bed by nine. Please leave. Oh, uh, yeah. Every family has secrets until a Sunday school teacher asks a group of kids if they have any prayer requests. That is very true. It's all, we're family here. It's all good. It's all good. It's okay. Uh, God, hey, Moses, can you write the book of Numbers? Sure. Also, Moses. Now, Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. Numbers 12, verse 3. Right? That's good. That's funny. That's funny. That's my last one, right, Brenda? Oh, all right. All right. I think I hit a lot of the ones that were collected that were appropriate. Daryl Pittman? Yeah. No. Um, Yes. So, holy, holy humor. Uh, And I'm going to close, as we sort of transition, we are going to celebrate Holy Communion this morning. 
Um, and I, I have a, a prayer for communion as we sort of transition now. So pray with me. God of fools, Lord of clowns and smiling saints, we rejoice in this playful prayer that you are a God of laughter and of tears. Blessed are you, for you have rooted within us the gifts of humor, lightheartedness, with jokes and comedy, you cause our hearts to sing, as laughter is made to flow out of us. We are grateful for your son Jesus, who was this world's master of wit, and that he daily invites us to be fools for your sake, to embrace the madness of your prophets, your holy people and saints. We delight in holy madness, which becomes the very medicine to heal the chaos of the cosmos, since it calls each of us out of the humdrumness of daily life into joy, adventure, and most of all, into freedom. We who are so easily tempted to barter our freedom for tiny speckles of honor and power are filled with gratitude that your son's very life has reminded us to value only love the communion with other persons and with you, and to balance honor with humor, with circus bands and organs, with fools, clowns, court jesters, and comics, with high-spirited angels and saints, we too join the fun and foolishness of life so that your holy laughter may ring out to the edges of the universe. Blessed are you, Lord our God, who invite us to be holy fools. Amen.